Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the host of Funding the Dream, and this is episode 46. My guest today, well, before I get to my guest, let me give a th- shout out to those who backed my Kickstarter project and a special thank you to Paco Garcia, the host of GMS Magazine, Clever Mojo Games, Nicholas Vitek, they're the ones doing the Schlock Mercenary board game, Gigglebox Games, Jesse Catron, Alex Hoekstra, Joel Hobbs, and Nutforge Games. Thank you so much for backing uh, Funding the Dream as a Kickstarter project. I appreciate your support making this show possible. My guest today is a very special guest. All my guests are special, but uh, Max is a special guest because he's one of the few guests that I've had on the show who actually had a Kickstarter campaign so long ago that it's entered into the annals of success and lore because it was one of it was the most successful Kickstarter campaign in the month of January in the board game category in 2011. Uh, with Cards Against Humanity, and I welcome Max Temkin. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. I'm really excited to be on the uh, on the show. I'm a listener. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being a fan. I and I was flattered when you when you emailed me back and said that you listened to the show because I you've done some pretty exciting things. Now, Cards Against Humanity was a, over a year ago. Uh, at the time, you raised fifteen thousand dollars which on Kickstarter in 2011, the beginning of 2011, was a lot of money. That actually was a, a pretty good record. I think you were in the top 10 there for a while. Yeah, I don't know if we were ever in the top 10, but it was pretty shocking, um, uh, especially considering you know we, we set a $4,000 goal for that project. And um, at the time, I, I remember you know, arguing with all the other creators of Cards Against Humanity and saying, you know, who, who has $4,000? How are we ever going to raise that much money? It's impossible. Well, and that's interesting because you're not the uh... – you didn't design or come up with this thing all by yourself, right? Yeah, there's actually a, a team of eight of us, and um, it's the game is uh, written. Um, you know, we 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 vote on everything, and we we do it as equals. Um, and there's there's no one who owns it. It's just it's a collective of the eight of us. So, and we we're we're all friends going back to like middle school. Uh, so we've we've known each other for way too long. Well, so we've got a, a year perspective on this thing. You guys got together. You put together your uh, your card game. You put for, asked for four thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Had you had you seen Kickstarter games before? Were you a backer of Kickstarter? How did you get it to Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I was probably the one who who came up with the idea to kickstart the game. Um, I became aware of Kickstarter um, when um, probably my my favorite designer of all time, Scott Thomas, put uh, a book on Kickstarter called Designing Obama. Um, and you know he's been a, a big influence on on my career and my design sense. So I, I you know was very enthusiastic to back that book, and I was just blown away by the success of that project, and also by the freedom that it gave Scott to make the book um, in a in an unusually high quality way. Um, so when I saw the potential of that, um, we I brought another game that I work on, Humans vs Zombies, onto Kickstarter. Uh, that was very successful for us. And then um, by that point, uh, I'd sort of already got into my head that there's there's no other way to start anything. Why why would you want to? Kickstarter is is such an incredible place for um, for new ideas. And so this idea, Cards Against Humanity, you guys sat around um, the the kind of the genesis from this. You guys you you all played games together, and you mm-hmm. played a lot of. I think you told me Balderdash, right? Yeah, uh, our, our, one of the big influences on this was Balderdash and Dictionary Dabble, which are vocabulary games where you're sort of catering answers to the tastes of your friends. And, you know, like I said, like we, we know each other so well. We, we love games where we can make each other laugh and, and try and get inside our heads and, and um, have that be a play mechanic. So we, we actually have been, um, for a long time, we've been sort of making games for ourselves to play. And that's how Cards Against Humanity started. It was really just this activity we came up with for uh, a New Year's 
party where we maybe had 20 or 30 people and we didn't have a game um, for that many people to play. So we sort of created this. And from what I've read, uh, <laughs> it was kind of an awkward group of people, I think is the words that you used oh. to describe that party. Yes. Yes. We were, we were the, uh, the, the social underbelly of our high school. I mean, we were all pretty, pretty huge nerds and, um, you know, we, we wasn't like we were going to get invited to some awesome party or something. So we would always sort of plan our own thing. And then we're just naturally very awkward people. So we like having a lot of activities to sort of mediate our social experiences. So we know what rules to follow. Um, and that's why I think that's one of the reasons why we've always been big, big game enthusiasts. And we, we like having like structured things like that. So we would, we would plan. I mean, when we have a new year's party, like we'll plan that thing out for weeks so that every minute there's an appropriate activity for us to do. Got it. And then cards against humanity, you, you put this thing up shortly after new year's, uh, you put it on, on January, I guess, no, it funded in January. Yeah, how I long, think. How long had you been planning this? Well, we so for so cards, you know, like I said, we made it uh, just for ourselves, and we were still in college. Uh, I think we were in maybe um, sophomore, junior year of college. We all sort of made a set, a personal set for ourselves, brought it to school, and played it with our friends at school, and they they loved it, and they were like, "Where where can I get this? Like, I want a copy." Um, and for me, at least, that was sort of the first indication that, hey, there, there might be something here that, that other people um, would enjoy. So uh, we, we actually created like a free um, PDF version of the game, like a, a version you can just make on your home printer and put that up. You know, we made a little website, cardsagainsthumanity.com, and put that up. Um, actually, we, we still offer the whole game as a free PDF. And we just watched that for um, uh, enough time that we, we saw interest growing in it. We saw people talking about it, spreading the link. And at some point, we, we, we sort of became convinced that maybe there was, there was a business here. Maybe people would want to buy this thing. And um, we were uh, – even, even once we, we had a feeling of that, I think we, none of us were, um, had any expectation of, of how big this thing could get. So let's talk about that. When, when, you, when you put the product out there, uh, your Kickstarter campaign, you were asking for $4,000. You ended up at $15,000 with 700 backers yeah, uh, or thereabouts. Uh, how many copies did you do on that first print run? I think that the total number was something around um, uh, 2,000, maybe just over 2,000. So 2,000, that left you about 1,300 then to sell because you had to give like 700 away. That's right. And then so that left you 1,300 to sell. And then you sold those. How long – do you remember how long those took to sell? Yeah, I think that first – those first um, – I, I remember it being about 1,500 copies. And then I remember on uh, Amazon – and I rem think that took about a month. Okay, so then – You've run out. You're going to order some more. And so then what was your second batch? Uh, from there, we went to base. So uh, we, we sort of looked at our, uh, the number of backers we had. We looked at the number of sets that were already out there. Um, and, you know, one thing we were aware of is the game has its own sort of uh, viral aspect built into it because you play Cards Against Humanity with a group of friends and everybody laughs and has a good time. And then some of those people who played it are going to want to go out and get their own copy. Um, so it's a nice a nice. Uh, design feature of the thing is that it sort of it sort of sells itself. It gets people excited about it. Um, so based on on all that, we we came up with a number four thousand that we thought would would be a good inventory and, and last for a while. And that wound up lasting for about about uh, a week. About a week. So yeah. all of a sudden you're out and you got to order yet another set. So then you went from four thousand to how many? Well, in, in in the very early part of that week, we actually um, knew we would need to get more copies, so we ordered another. Uh, I think it was five thousand, and then uh, by the time that week was up, we realized that that wouldn't be enough, and those five thousand went in about um, like forty eight hours when we got those in. We're seeing a we're seeing a trend here. 
right? Yes, a little, yeah, a little, a little bit of a of a of a of a surprising and and uh, um, a very very unexpected trend. And then um, just to cut to our our last order, um, our most recent one, we got uh, fifteen thousand, which I argued strongly against and thought was was incredibly irresponsible. And no one would ever buy that many copies of this game sold out in like eleven hours. So a slight miscalculation. So, uh, and I've noticed I'm out on Amazon right now, and it says this game is out of stock. Uh, so you've got another order. How, how big is that last order that you just placed? Uh, I don't know. I, we, we usually don't get into like specific numbers uh, ahead of an order, but it's it's big. It's so big now that it, it, it we used to bring it um, to the the shipping place in trucks, and now it's got to go on a train. Really? Wow. Yep. Yes, it is. Uh, it is very big. It's really. It sometimes it's really depressing to think about how just how dumb this game is and how dumb the 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 jokes are and how many people labor over it and it has to go. You know, it goes on a boat and then some guy takes it off the boat and it goes on a train and it's really just like our poop jokes that are traveling across the country. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. Well, it is. It's gotten kind of crazy. Now, let's talk about. So people. You have now some insights. It's been a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, you've now – so you're not, you're not shipping these out all by yourself, right? No, we use a service. Um, we've actually we – we got really lucky to find this thing um, very early on, and it's, it's uh, a service called FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon. And the way it works is you, you own your inventory, and you kind of send it over to one of Amazon's fulfillment centers. They tell you where to send it, and they will um, – it gets sold through Amazon.com but, but sold by you, not by Amazon. Uh, they're not the company that's selling it meaning you still own your inventory, and then they fulfill it, and they take a certain um, percentage off. So our business is we, you know, we sell the game for $25, which is enough to get the free Super Saver shipping. Uh, so Amazon pays for all of the shipping because that's a free – at that price point, that's, that's a free service that they offer. And then we also have an affiliate link. So if you click on the buy button from our email or from our website, we also get another you know, $1.50 or so back on, on each set. So it's, it's been a it's been a we were very, very lucky to find that, and it's been a really good business for us. Because you, nobody's doing this full-time, right? Uh, Cards Against Humanity still isn't its own self-sustaining entity where it has full-time employees and things like that. So you're looking for ways to keep the labor, not cost, well, costs always, but labor time minimized. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a total hobby. And also, I don't think at this point, I don't think any of us would stake our future on this game. I think it's such a, such a, you know, a, a ridiculous a ridiculous product. Um, although I'm I'm glad that people you know find it find it as funny as we do. Um, but you know the other factor is most of us are either like in grad school or working full time. So uh, Josh, who's one of the partners, who's actually um, uh, working on his PhD at MIT in astrophysics, likes to say, you know, we're we're slightly overeducated for for this line of work. <laughs> well, that's kind of fun. Um, so if you were to well, we haven't seen we haven't seen anything. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you. One is you did the Kickstarter campaign. You've seen what's happened over the past year. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Yeah, uh, we learned – I mean I definitely learned learned a lot of lessons from Kickstarter. Um, The first thing was we put a version of the game up that that was based on the bare minimum cheapest thing that we could figure out to make. So at the time we went up on Kickstarter, it was just business cards. It was you know um, um, very small little you know like you like you know like a business card sized cards in like in like a paper box, and then we were going to do a sticker or a stamp on top of the box, and we were going to get all of those things done you know in bulk and assemble it ourselves. And um, ultimately, we got very lucky, and we got like like 350 percent of what we asked for, and that let us design a custom box and print on playing cards and have rounded corners and all of these nice touches. But if I could go back, I think I would have said. 
this, you know, I, I know now that the quality of the product is really important to people. Like it's all part of the experience of having a good time when you, when you open up the box and play it. And, and we shouldn't have ever tried to do the project in a way that wasn't the best. Um, it would have been much better to ask for more money up front and, and, um, fail than to have just gotten enough money and had it suck. You know, bet, better to fail than to suck, um, I think. The other thing is we charged $15 on Amazon, I mean on uh, Kickstarter, we charged $15 for the game and then we, we shipping was was assessed afterwards. So you either had to add, I think it was $5 to your pledge or we had like a PayPal link afterwards. And we thought people like that because it would be like um, up front you could make a smaller pledge. But it was like, it was the most confusing thing. People couldn't, they couldn't handle it. It was, it was, it was very, very upsetting and confusing to people. So I do not recommend doing that. If you put a reward on Kickstarter, just, just make it shipped and it's okay to charge more. People want to pay for convenience. They want to pay for simplicity. Um, and along those lines, um, one other piece of Kickstarter advice, something I learned that we did right was uh, I think a trend right now is to have like five, 500 rewards on the sidebar. So, you know, something at every, at every dollar amount. And I find that really confusing. And I think having a lot of choices gives people anxiety. And to me, a great Kickstarter project, you're doing one thing and people can back it for one amount of money and you're sort of asserting this is this is what it's worth this is what you get for your money so i think kickstarter projects that have more than 3 or 4 rewards can can get very confusing and and cause a lot of anxiety to people how many so, how many how many did cards of humanity have we had we had three rewards we had one where you could get a digital download of some with some extra with some bonus cards we had one for having it in the us and we had um one for uh, for having it shipped to the U.S. and then one for having it, uh, uh, it was no, I'm sorry, it was one. Okay, so we had the digital, we had just buy the game, and then we had a copy of the game where you also got some custom printed cards with your own jokes on them, and that also wound up probably be. I mean, it was great to have the extra money from that, but that wound up being um, a big hassle, and I think we would have been all right without it. If I if I could redo it, we probably wouldn't have done the custom cards. Interesting. Um, that okay. So and so speaking of redoing it again, we haven't. We haven't seen anything else come out from you from Kickstarter. Are we going to see anything come from Max Temkin in the next little while on Kickstarter? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I it's I almost can't imagine ever doing anything without Kickstarter. It's such an incredible um, it's such an incredible value for what you get because you know there's a million ways to raise the money, but what Kickstarter does is it gives you people who care about what you're doing. They're really invested in your success and they they share your values and they know where you're coming from. And all the money in the world can't buy that. Why have why do you have any insight into why you have been so successful with this and your humans versus is it zombies versus humans or humans versus zombies humans versus zombies or HVZ and your humans versus zombies that's too very viral but not not digital viral just flat out social viral uh, projects that you've now been involved with what's going on here yeah um, well uh, thank you first of all. Um, I, Let's see. I mean, my you know my my background is in is in um, politics, and you know, on a political campaign, I think a lot about um, values and about why people believe what they believe and what what makes people um, proud to support something or to buy something. And I think that's a step that a lot of businesses don't think. They're not values-driven enterprises. So one common thing between Cards Against Humanity and Humans versus Zombies, and I I try. To, to make a comment to all of the work I do is I, I, I'm, I'm okay saying this is for a certain group of people and this is what we believe in and then never deviating from that. And it makes people and, – and it would seem like you're cutting a lot of people out. 
but actually things that try to be for everyone are really for no one in particular. Um, so having a set of values and then just treating treating people like a human being, treating people like you'd like to be treated, it goes a long way. Um, so that means you know we we don't use any um, uh, douchey business language. We, we don't use any. Um, uh, um, you know, uh, weasel words in our marketing or anything like that. And it even gets into like pricing philosophy. So for Cards Against Humanity, we, we like to even, we don't like to sell it for like nineteen ninety nine or something like that. It always feels like a little gimmicky. We, we, we're very committed to selling it at, you know, it's a, it's a $25 product and it's very simple when you open the box. Um, you know, everything is very evident, you know, why it's there. Um, so, you know, I think, I think all of those things, like we, we try and have a lot of, um, for all of these projects, we try and have a lot of empathy for why someone would back it, why they would believe in it. And, and pe- people respond to that. People, people like it when you're considerate, when you treat them like a person. How, how, how interesting that, Max, is there any irony there that your Cards Against Humanity is like the ultimate um, put people down, um, you know, poor taste type thing? Is there any yeah. irony? Is there any that feels like there's irony there? Yeah, well, it's only it's what's ironic is how much we think about it and how much we care for what a stupid game it is. But I will say, in our defense, um, it is not a put people down game. It is definitely the humor is inappropriate and we use adult language and all of that. But it's actually a very it's a very subtly progressive game. So we actually don't have any you know, we really try we're very, very conscious of not making any racist jokes, not making any classist jokes, not making any sexist jokes. Um um certainly we're we're skirting the line, I think. But what we try to do is find the humor in you know, recognizing that racism is a, is an unfortunate thing that exists in the world. What's ridiculous about it? What is ridiculous about the people who have those beliefs? And then make fun of them. So we do. So it is a it is a race aware game. It's a class aware game. It is a, a a sex gender aware game. But we try and find the ridiculousness in our culture surrounding those issues and make fun of that. So in in that way, it actually is a game that that makes people. Um, um, happy and, and makes them feel good and lets people make jokes at their own expense um, and and makes people feel empowered when they play it. Well, that's a great uh, – we can end right there, Max. That was uh, – I don't have a copy of the game, but after this interview and after talking to you, um, I can't wait till you get that shipment in from uh, from China on the boat, the train, so that I can go get my copy because it's uh, – that's, that's, uh, that's inspiring to hear that kind of approach. So thank you very much for sharing with us. Yeah, thanks. I I, um, I, uh, I hope that anyone who is listening to this who's considering doing any sort of game or project on Kickstarter, the, the best advice I can give you is um, be as audacious as possible and make it as excellent as possible. Make it the best possible version it can be and you know go into it with the attitude that it's better to fail than to suck and people will respond to that. People will want you to succeed. They'll, they'll believe in, in your belief. Have you, uh, have you uh, trademarked that uh, better to fail than suck? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's a thing that I read on the internet. All right. Well, we might, we might grab that one and use that as the title of this episode. So, Max, thank you so much for st- taking the time to be with us today. All right. Thank you so much, and, and I hope this podcast goes on forever. It's really one of my favorites. Thanks. Thank you, Max. Uh, you've been listening to – now i got to be serious about this. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. My guest has been Max Temkin. Max is one of the creative geniuses behind Cards Against Humanity, one of the best-selling Kickstarter projects or best-funded Kickstarter projects of 2011, and now a top-selling card game on Amazon. And Max has joined us from Chicago. 
I hope that you have been inspired by what you've heard from Max and uh, that you can go out and fund your own dream. We look forward to seeing it on Kickstarter. Take care.